Welcome to the Dynasty Nerds Fantasy Football Podcast, where we discuss dynasty strategy, rankings, and all things NFL. So get ready to geek out on fantasy football with your host, Rich Dotson. And welcome to the Dynasty Nerds Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Rich Dotson, here with my fellow co-host, fellow nerd, fellow friend, fellow draft watcher, Matt O'Hara. Hey, what's up, man? Hey, we're about a week away. Oh, man, I cannot oh, wait. One of our favorite days of the year, the NFL Draft, where our team's good fortunes may turn around, where where your dynasty rookies are going to find a home. And remember, home is important. Scheme, fit is important. Home is where the heart is. And today, we're going to get into these rookie wide receivers, and who's throwing the football is pretty important. Uh, if Aaron Rodgers is throwing you the football, you have a good chance to succeed. If um, Deshaun Kaiser is throwing you the football, uh, you have a good chance to not be anywhere near where the football is going to be landing. <laughs> uh, if Joe Flacco is throwing the football, go deep, baby. Go deep. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, we'll see. Scheme fits. It's it's funny after we get into this uh, class, I said the same thing when, to you when you walked in after actually finishing up the tape on these guys and watching them is, you know, the receiver class isn't as bad as we thought it was. No, it actually isn't, man. It, it rounded out um, a lot of these players. I think fall into a similar area for me, which is maybe it, it's not as high upside like as a as a stud wide receiver one. None of those guys, right? <laughs> um, so I can see why there are, um, especially NFL evaluators that are a little bit down on this class. But I think there's plenty of options for for fantasy guys, especially in the wide receiver two range. Yep. We got some good slot guys here. They're going to be good for PPR leagues. A mm-hmm. um, couple guys with good number one potential for the NFL team. I see a lot of number two receivers in this. So far where we're at in this first class today, we're going to talk about Cortland Sutton out of SMU. We're going to talk about Calvin Ridley out of Alabama. We're going to talk about DJ Moore out of Maryland, James Washington, the 2017 Belitnikoff winner out of Oklahoma state. We're going to talk about Christian Kirk out of Texas A&M. We're going to talk about Equinemius St. Brown out of Notre Dame, DJ Shark out of LSU, and Michael Gallup out of Colorado. That's going to round out our first tier episode. We're going to break down the second tier uh, here in the fall episode You know, with guys like Anthony Miller, Dante Pettis, uh, Antonio Callaway, Simi Cobbs. We're going to get into those guys next week. And they'll probably, just because of the time of the draft, there'll be probably a couple guys we don't cover that we'll follow up into with more in-depth detail in our final rankings. Alan Lazar, like those kind of guys. Yeah, yeah after I mean, the NFL draft. Yep. So um, before that, a couple news and notes. Just real quick, we don't want to get into it because we got to spend a lot of time on these receivers. It might be a little bit longer show than we used, you know, used to, about an hour and 15, maybe an hour 20 today. Let's hope not. Let's talk fast. Talk fast. Uh, CJ Anderson cut by the Broncos. Not a big surprise there. It seems like they've been trying to get rid of this guy for – Two years now, really good time to own uh, D'Angelo Henderson and Devontae Booker. Two guys are in line that they both like there, so good time to own one of those guys. Henderson looked pretty good last year, and they are a big fan of Devontae Booker. They are, and I wouldn't be at all surprised if they went out and drafted a guy either. They're going to for sure bring right. a guy in no matter what. Right. And C.J. Anderson, a guy who had 1,000 yards last year, should land on his feet. Wouldn't be too shocking. He's been linked to Miami for multiple years. That he does end up in Miami. And then it would be him and Kenyon Drake as a one-two combo, which would put a big uh, kind of d- 
depressor on uh, you know the Kenyon Drake owners. Right. He looked pretty good last year. A guy who they invested a third round pick into. Apparently, he's added about five pounds of muscle um, yeah. during the offseason as well. He's taking so after me, man. Yeah, yeah beefcake, man. Yeah, just, he's an NFL beefcake. That's right. So <laughs> slight difference. News and notes there. I think there's some better places you can end up besides Miami. Uh, it wouldn't be my ideal spot for him. Right. You know, definitely with Kenyon Drake there. I think Kenyon Drake's has a potential to be a better running back than C.J. Anderson. So we'll wait and see where he ends up. I'd rather see him end up in like a place like Indy, and then they passed on, let's say, a Squam Barkley, or a place like the Giants, okay. somewhere along those lines. Yep, I can see both those. Um, and then uh, Cameron Meredith, a guy that we liked for the Bears, who missed all of last year, who had a solid year before that in 2016, signs with the Saints. What a fantastic spot for Cameron Meredith. If you own him... You're excited. Yeah, I mean, uh, definitely. I, I, I'm some one of those guys that jumped on the waiver wire a couple of years back and picked him up. And then, obviously, we had to suffer through all of last year's um, IR kind of uncertainty. And then and then they go out and sign Allen Robinson. So everyone was probably a little down on Cameron Meredith there for a few weeks. And then, all of a sudden, he's landing on a, in a great situation with the Saints. So, yeah, I mean, you literally can yeah. ask for a better place right. to try and – resurrect your career so good spot for cam meredith definitely worth a own definitely worth a a nice gamble on the buy you know mm-hmm. falls into those category one of those categories where like it may look like you're overpaying slightly but might be really good value down the road because there's not really much there beside you know like ted ginn willie sneed uh nobody that's going to really knock your socks off you know michael he, thomas is locked into number one they're probably gonna draft a tight end kobe fleener's done jack squat and i think he, he operated best and out of the slot so he, he could be a big slot there um and kind of fill in one of those one of those nice little roles yeah it'd be really nice you put ted Ginn on the outside because yep. he's better than willie sneed we've already established that than la- last year uh, the numbers speak for themselves Michael thomas in the x and then yep. you got uh yeah cam meredith in the slot and hall of fame quarterback and drew Brees. so god bless america god bless america so let's just jump right into it right the 2018 rookie wide receivers part one now we both I think we have let's let's kind of go through our own personal ranks here of the group that we mentioned. Okay. How we have them ranked. I have them ranked p- personally: Cortland Sutton, Calvin Ridley, DJ Moore, and James Washington. To me, are very close. It's three A and three B. I want to see where they end up. You know, I think a scheme fit, quarterback placement, it's going to kind of sway me one to the other between those guys. So we'll call them three and four together. Then I like actually like after getting through the tape and seeing the production, I actually like Michael Gallup out of Colorado State a lot. Looked really good um, for the two years that he produced there. Then I'd probably go on the upside of a guy like DJ Shark, then Christian Kirk, and then Equinemius St. Brown. And I'll explain why when we get there. Okay. Those are that's it for me. That's your top eight as of now. My top eight, um, first two are exactly the same Cortland Sutton, um, Calvin Ridley, and then we just go, me and you just veer in totally different directions i love dj chark i have him as my third wide receiver right now okay. um james washington number four and i actually like christian kirk a little bit more than dj moore so i have christian kirk dj moore i do like my, michael gallup I, I i don't have him up higher right now but he's a guy that i could see probably creeping up because i did like a lot of what i seen out of the guy and then and then coming in eighth is equinemius st brown and, and it's he's there mostly because we didn't see much out of him this past year, yeah. Especially, um, and, and and it was more of a uh, of a shift in their offense to to a run heavy attack, 
and, and they didn't. Re- I mean, he led their team in, in wide receiver. Whoa, 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 slow down! You're just breaking all the news on. All here. right, let's wait till we get that. We'll get to him. He'll he'll be the last one we get to. But he's there. He's got a ton of upside. He's a he's six foot five. Tons of upside. Right. True number one potential. Yeah, absolutely. On him. Yeah. But like you said, we'll get into it. But the tapes not really there right it's i just, agree it, you're literally going on a lot of like okay let's cross our fingers here hopefully uh those two quarterbacks just weren't that good but let's start off with a guy we do both agree with as our number one that's Cortland Sutton out of smu he's six foot three 218 pounds ran a four five forty at the, uh the combine and had a real nice three cone drill at the 6.57 and that just shows it shows up on tape his real nimble feet there mm-hmm. um good hips you know, he had 195 catches for 3,220 yards in his career at SMU for 31 touchdown. He had over 1,000 yards his last two seasons. And that's with bad quarterback play. Wins a lot of the 50-50 balls with his size and his frames. I think he really comps well to like an Alshon Jeffrey kind of player right along those lines. I like you that know, comp, actually. Not afraid to go over the middle. Blocks very well. Could he be does. the best block and wide yeah. receiver in this draft. He's going to stay on the field. Not the best route runner, but we'll see that from a lot of receivers coming out where they're not the most elite route runner. But the way he moves his feet and he can get in and out of his breaks some along those, along those lines where I, I think that can improve with some good coaching. Not a lot of separation on the secondary. He had a lot of trouble like separating, and he used his size in college to benefit and to score those yards. But to me, he's the one guy, like the one guy in his draft that could be a number one receiver. A place like Dallas, who just got rid of Dez, would oh, be a he perfect would, landing spot for him. He would him slide there. right in there. I mean, right I, in that Dez Bryant role. Absolutely. He, he kind of reminds me if you use like not as you know great as Dez Bryant, I would say, but somewhat similar too, because Dez Bryant wasn't a speedster. No, he wasn't a burner. As as a matter of fact, uh, I don't think he ever even touched the four five four numbers. I think he was a, a high four five type of guy, almost yeah. maybe four six, um, if memory serves me, and and that that may be wrong, but. Um, Definitely, the he's the guy that proto. You know, he 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 shows me the prototypical size at the six foot three, two hundred eighteen pounds. That's like nearly perfect for a number one wide receiver. And just the ball skills that he has, like you already mentioned on the fifty fifty thing, on the fifty fifty balls, he has he has nice, subtle moves in the open field as well to make guys miss and get extra yards on some of those like, you know, the little screen passes or the, or the short cross crossing routes. Um, so I, I'm he's a guy that I'm really excited about. I mean he he's he's scoring touchdowns, you know he's a big time big time threat in the red zone, um, and and I love what I see out of the guy. So I mean he's he's there at number one for me. Yeah, the way the like you said those little subtle movements he does, the way he goes up and gets the ball, it shows that he's just big strong receiver this is a guy who's been on radar for two years right if he would have came out last year which was reported he, the biggest news of that rookie draft was Cortland Sutton was going back to school because he broke on the scene with the 76 catches for 1246 yards in 2016 came back had a little bit you know of a not a down year but he had less catches and less yards by you know almost 200 less yards but still a really good overall receiver might not be the first receiver off the board but when it comes to dynasty and fantasy potential, like I said, if he can get to Alshon Jeffrey levels, then we're talking about like a low-end wide receiver one to a high-end wide receiver two. You said, I agree, he has the body type to be that number one. And a lot of times we say this, we've been saying this for years, if I'm going to gamble on a receiver, if it comes down to somebody who I'm you know, debating between, like say him and Calvary or his number two, I'm always going to go with the big guy 
who I like. You know, between 1A and 1B, I'm going to go with the big guy who's that, that potential to catch those touchdowns. I'm, I'm going to go with the big guy that scores touchdowns, absolutely. I mean, double digits the past two years, I mean, versus Calvin Ridley, who's had five touchdowns and seven touchdowns in the past two. I mean, so it's... Yeah, twenty two. Right. Yep. To me it's it's just it's it's just easy. Uh it's it, it boils down to that. this is a production based thing that we're going on. We're not trying to find the best route runner. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I mean, that helps. That helps you get on the field and that helps you I mean, Calvin Ridley is the best route runner, but I think Cortland Sutton is going to be the best fantasy player, and that's what we're looking for. Agree. And then you know, the hardest thing to judge is you know a guy like maybe like a guy like Jarvis Landry comes out. You know, hey, this guy's a slot receiver. We don't know if he, he has enough to get, you know get away uh, to get open, and he falls, and then it turns out that he's a wide receiver one and catches more footballs than anybody in the four year history of the NFL. So route runs very important because that's where you get your separation. When you get separation, that's how you get thrown the ball to. When you're a guy like Cortland Sutton, you get to throw in the ball to be just because you're a big, tall, electrifying receiver that can go score touchdowns. So you're going to get the ball regardless if you're open or not. Compared to these guys that are six foot on under, where you need that separation right. to be elite. So it takes speed and route running because you don't need to be a very fast receiver if you can run really crisp routes. It's a good way to get open. It's, it kind of reminds me, you know, like Amari Cooper, for example. He was always open because his routes are absolutely some of the best routes I've ever seen coming out of college. I agree with that. Absolutely. So I think we both agree there. Cortland Sutton, I think we both, you know, I think Giants would be a really good spot for him. That that would be a fantastic spot for him. Giants? Uh, I'm sorry, the Cowboys. Cowboys, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that'd be a fantastic spot for him to come in there and offset. You know, they recently we signed Alan Hearns, which I really like there, and I think Alan Hearns would be a fantastic number two there. Right. Uh, with Cortland Sun, and let's face it, I mean, I mean, the Cowboys. I don't want to make this a, into a replace Des segment, but I mean, the biggest thing Des did. We well, even mentioned it. Des got cut. Yeah, Des got cut. Yeah. I mean, uh, the biggest thing Des did was score touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, that's what he did there. So, and, I, and besides that, whippity doo dah, because he's done nothing these last couple of years. Very true. He I hasn't. Can't believe we didn't even mention that. Yeah, we we it slipped our mind. Whippity doo dah. All right. I don't want anything to do with Des personally. Well, we'll see where he lands. It's a little bit of vengeance. He might have like, yeah. And that's the thing. If Des comes out this year and he has like a good year this year, mid season, get rid of him. Sal, take whatever you can. Sandwiches. I'm, I'm with you there. Uh, so, um, yep. yeah. So that's where Corlin Sutton comes in. And I like him when he goes to Dallas because he can come in and you might be able to put him in. It's not a lot of times you get a receiver that you could put in your lineup uh, as a rookie. Corlin Sutton can come in and possibly be that guy as a rookie. And then he slowly, if he learns how to run some good routes, look out because like i said his three cones showed us that he has the the ability his three cone and, yeah. and the more i dug in the more i saw he has a nice um way of subtly moving you know what i mean he's not one of those guys that's gonna really sink his hips and and and, and dig into some of these routes but he has one of those just subtle head head fake you know type of of moves and he's moving fast enough that people bite on it and that's all that you really need man yeah which is nine day from a guy like james washington who you know, when he takes his routes, he like rounds them off. You know, it's just you don't really see that route running really crisping up too much. But right. Cortland Sutton has that ability, so we both agree. Cortland Sutton's our number one receiver in this draft. Probably going to be drafted right around anywhere for, in your rookie draft from anywhere maybe as high as number four. Because let's face it, if he goes in the first round, he goes to the Cowboys. That's going to be tremendous value to his dynasty value. Uh, that might push him up to. I still would not let him break my tier of the top three of Sony Michelle. 
Darius Geis, and Saquon Barkley. I think that would lock him in as my number four overall prospect. He ends up in a spot like that compared to, I don't know where else he might land, but right now Dallas is my ideal spot looking for him. That would lock him in at number four. Going to go anywhere for number four to say pick seven. Yeah, that's that's where he's locked in right now, uh, depending on landing spot. I think Dallas would push him up. Or somewhat, somewhere similar to that. Yeah, you know, you know and it, it, I guess if you're really desperate at wide receiver, too, at the same time, I mean, there would be no harm, no foul to take him at number three overall if you really need a receiver. You end up in a place like Dallas, young quarterback like Dak Prescott, the vestment there, no competition really for your number one receiver. I would have no problem doing something like that. I wouldn't either. And it wouldn't surprise me if Cortland Sutton, you know, kind of surpasses and can, it could be like a true number one. And you look at me, he's in your top 12 dynasty rookie or startup rankings for receivers three years from now. I agree. He's got he's got the body type. He's got the the physical tools to definitely do that. All right, let's talk about our next guy. A guy who we kind of ragged on for a little bit earlier there after his combine, had the lowest spark score possible, Calvin Ridley out of Alabama. Six foot, 189 pounds, ran a 4.43 at the combine. He's a little bit older. He'll be 24 in December. So that's, a, I mean, that's a variable, man. You got to keep that in consideration. Uh, you do got to keep that in mind. You know, most of these receivers that come in are 21, 22 years old. He's already got two, eight, two years on him. I mean, he's a year younger than um, a guy like DeAndre Hopkins, who's been in the league forever. seemingly forever. You know, he's the same. Right. He's gonna be the same age as Mike Evans and Michael Thomas. Right. Mike Evans just signed a big extension. You know. So you got to look into that, and he's going to come into – now what he is going to come into, he's the best route runner in his class. Yep. So that does give you a leg up about getting on the field immediately. And a lot of times it's what takes people time, not only to learn the playbook, but to learn how to get open in the NFL, and that's what it takes is running good routes. Career stats at Alabama, 224 catches, which is second all-time for Alabama, 2,781 yards, which is third all-time for Alabama, and 19 touchdowns, which is second all-time for Alabama. This is a guy that came in and just you know, it was pretty solid. It's 2015. He had the most yards, but right. then you know when you know Jalen comes in as quarterback, he's just not that kind of quarterback. He did have nine touchdowns, where that was 30 plus yards or more. Excellent route runner who consistently got open, and he got a separation with his routes. Really smooth in and out of his breaks. Very smooth, man. He looks great. Yeah, doesn't lose any speed. No, no, at no. all. There. That's that's what uh, the fact that. It doesn't jive with the three cone and, and and the spark score and all this other stuff because he's way more athletic on on film than he showed at the combine. It was it was it was very odd. I mean a thirty one inch vertical. That it, I mean that's I could probably jump thirty one inches. I mean, I'm not even joking. I could probably have a thirty one inch vertical right now. Not man, but okay. <laughs> I mean I mean it's just not that it's not that great. It's not like athletically Wait, show me how product. high show me how high thirty one inches approximately is off the grid. Oh yeah, I got that. I mean uh, maybe. Can I bring my feet is it's, it straight it's up less, or can I bring my feet up, cheat knees up to my chest? No, you can't cheat by bringing your knees up to your uh, chest. I mean I at some point could dunk a basketball. And, oh yeah, not me. I mean, I could jump a little bit. So I mean yeah, it's I'm as Caucasian as they come, my friend. Right. I mean, I've got some jumping ability. I could probably jump thirty well, I don't know if I could Okay, still. enough about you. Keep going. But anyway, I mean it just the the twenty yard shuttle at a four point four one. I mean that it doesn't show his movement. Lowest skills. spark score yeah. amongst receivers at the NFL combine. It was a big wild fact. Like what is going on with this guy? You know. But I agree with you one hundred percent. We both sat down. We we're going over some of our notes. And we we're going, wow, he looks way better on film. Which I'm always gonna go back to film. Yeah, it's me the too. reason we give you guys and we don't give you guys last year. The reason we gave you 
Um, who is it on? Uh, again, Dalvin Cook, you know, from last year. Oh, yeah. Wow, his yeah, his combine. People are like, oh, his combine. Let's move him down. We're like, no, whoa, 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 easy, whoa. What's wrong with all? Easy. What's wrong with all this film here, Turtis Ferguson's? So, to me, the tape. Yeah, again, he just plays fast on tape, and he, and this is a guy that was hurt by his offense essentially oh, yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, a couple of years prior, Amari uh, Cooper's almost has 1,700 yards there, and then here comes Calvin Ridley, the number one recruit at wide receiver, picks Alabama, and then he's hurt by that offense. Now he's very lean; he avoids contact at all costs. He does not want to get hit. Six foot, 189 pounds. I mean, you can't get, you can't get hit a lot when you're no. I mean and I, I wouldn't be surprised if he was smaller than that during the season too he looked a little bit thinner than that when I when I'm looking at some of his you know his troubles it looks like he had some trouble against some good press coverage um he had trouble against there against some release but again that's more frame there as well mm-hmm. um didn't really see him breaking any tackles whatsoever but it comes down to frame he's not going to and yeah. I think this guy's gonna be a really good NFL wide receiver too like I don't think he could be a number one Mostly because of that frame and work. Are you talking up. about for an NFL team? For an NFL team, I, I wrote. I wrote but at the a same very time. I think a, for Dynasty as well. I think he's going to be a really good wide yeah. receiver number two. I wrote a very similar note on him as well. I, I think. I think his his frame and everything limits him to being a wide receiver two on an NFL team, unless he just has like the craziest work ethic ever, and he turns into like an an AB type of guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. That would be the only way that he could transcend and and become, it would have to be the right offense. He would have to have the absolute best work ethic ever. And that would be the only way for me that I think he could, that could, he could reach the heights of a wide receiver. And and we mentioned earlier, like I see that in a couple of these guys, like if they have that, you know, DJ Moore has reportedly got that work ethic, you Mm -hmm. know, like, I can see that in a couple of these guys, if they put in that work and they get in the right system and the right coaching, they could be very solid receivers. And we're, we talk about these next guys coming up here where it comes to PPR. I think Calvin really falls in that as well for PPR. He might become really good because he's not that, like, elite receiver in the NFL where he's a true number one, but he's that elite receiver where he's catching 88 footballs a year for 1,100 yards. And maybe he's not scoring a lot of touchdowns, but he's still a wide receiver one strictly on those receptions right. and a yardage alone because he's he's just a really good receiver. And and that that comes with the offense and especially probably the quarterback who's who's going to be feeding him the ball. And I see him I see him being the first receiver off the board on in the, the NFL in the NFL, draft. In the I, NFL I could, draft. I could absolutely see that. Yep. So he's somebody that's going to be committed to. I kind of see a little bit of like early coming out of college like Jeremy Macklin to his game a little bit, you know. Somebody, again, that didn't like a lot of contact, looked pretty good on film, pretty good route runner, pretty good speed on film as well, somewhere along those lines. Uh, and, again, I think Jeremy Macklin early was a pretty solid receiver. No, he definitely was the first you know, five years of his career or so. So I like Cal – I do. I like Calvin Ridley. Somebody that – you know, going into this a month ago, you would have said, okay, is Calvin Ridley your number two? I'm like, nah, probably not. Uh, yeah, I definitely, the more I watched, the more I liked. So, I mean, I, I agree that he was a riser on my board to get him to number two. We think locked in is number uh, potentially five overall. I mean, so who would you rather have here? Would you rather take Nick Chubb and gamble on a guy like that? Or do you have a guy like Calvin Ridley? I think Calvin Ridley is the long-term play for sure. Um, and I guess it would depend on your dynasty Roster, it would. I mean, a hundred percent. Because I mean, that that's where tiebreakers, in my eyes, that's where they go. I mean, when guys are are that close, 
when you're talking about you know the middle of the first round um it's going to depend on your team makeup a lot of the time and who, and and obviously where these guys land you know in the nfl so and with some of these running backs you can look at it too is like okay do i just go ahead and take a calvin ridley who i feel pretty confident i mean i pretty, I, I, pretty I, safe yeah. player you know, i think like, in a vacuum i would pick calvin ridley by the way just go, go i mean i think so too like if i like thinking about it like you know or even I, i'm kind of leaning towards more of the fact like okay like i could take this guy and there's enough running backs in this draft where i can gamble on some upside maybe one of these ppr guy backs in my second round yeah I you agree. know where at two five there's still gonna be some pretty good value there so for me, Calvin Ridley is somebody. I think the floor is there. Like I said his age kind of is a little deterrent, but listen, give me six years of anybody in my dynasty league, and I'm overly ecstatic. Right. Um, sometimes remember that in these dynasty leagues, I mean, any twenty year old guy can get hurt two years into exactly. his career. I and, mean, and a lot of people put a lot of like they stress that like, oh, you know, I, I want to. He's he's twenty four. You got you got to remember. I mean, we we've used a hashtag two to three year window on our running backs for a reason because you only have a running back ninety. I'd say ninety percent of the time, ninety two percent of the time, even that you're only going to have good quality production for anywhere from two to three years, and then that's it. And then they're off the radar almost entirely. Mm-hmm. I think for a receiver, you know, because a lot of times it takes time for them to develop, anyways. Where really is going to be a little bit ahead of the curve that way. You're getting anywhere from four to possibly eight years out of those guys. Not all those being elite years. Cause you know, a guy like Des Bryant, who's now kind of been done these last two years, still took a couple of years to get up to, got up to all the way up to number one overall on a lot of dynasty ADP oh, yeah. rankings. But a lot of guys don't hold that value even there. You know what I mean? So when you, when you look at age, sometimes you can't, it's important, but at the same time, you have to be realistic and not, I know we play dynasty and the key word here is forever, but that forever is always, you're always into about a four year window of competition. That's why it's so hard to win multiple championships as it is. Anyways, if you go and pull three championships off in a row, that's a true dynasty in your dynasty league. That's, that's, that's where it starts to become a dynasty three years in a row right there. But that's that window usually of about four years. Yep. yep. So we both agree. Calvin Ridley's are number two. And like we said, we different. You're going to put DJ Shark here, but we're going to wait a little bit on him. Uh, we're going to stick with most of kind of the chalkboard right now, which is where I guess I'm kind of at on the chalk a little bit here. And we'll go with DJ Moore next out of Maryland. All right. Uh, this is a guy out of Maryland, six foot, 200 pounds, ran a 4.42, had a 146 receptions for 2,027 yards and 17 touchdowns. And he had four different QBs. Still had 80 catches for 1,033 yards and eight touchdowns in 2017. He is locked into me as a slot receiver, which is not a bad thing because I think he'd be really, really good in PPR leagues. He's tough. He's physical. Uh, he's got really good speed, really good yards after the catch ability. Definitely. Kind of reminds me of that kind of Steve Smith toughness. I know that, I know that those comments have been out there in the national media too, and I think that does kind of fit him well and that stature that he has there. Um, I mean, he's he's significantly bigger than Steve Smith as well. I mean, at six foot two ten, Steve Smith was a you know five foot five five foot nine five foot ten type of guy. So he does have a little bit more size than him. Coming on the slot in college, most of his passes were the short intermediate routes. A lot definitely, of them, but definitely. On a, I mean, his his deep game was almost non-existent. Almost, he but, was able to get open. But when he did, what I, it was funny when he did get open, and how many this comes back to quarterback like. For the most part, he had to like go get the ball, yeah. and, and that's what I really liked out of his tape was mm-hmm. like 
He showed really good body control, extension, the way he was able to contort his body out there and come down with the football. So I really like that. Really quick feet, that short area quickness um, to get out, which is really good. Like when you say short area quickness, that's good against like press coverage. Press coverage, you know, yeah, yeah. Which is important because you get some of these physical receivers. Because listen, if, you, if you're not good against press coverage, guess what the NFL is going to do to you? They're going to put press coverage on you. That's what yep. they're going to do. They're going to do everything to throw you off your routes. DJ Moore is really good there. Really like that. Um, not a fantastic route runner. Um, seems, like I said, destined for the slot. Not much downfield work out there. But, again, it, I, I like what I see on film. It, to me, he seems like a really nice receiver. And we're talking about a guy who works. There's a lot of reports of him going there. He's a really hard worker, really well-respected by his team. This is a guy that can come in. And again, we're going back to it. I can see him catching eighty footballs in the right scheme for right around like like his his twenty seventeen tape his stats of eighty catches for thousand thousand thirty three yards and eight touchdowns. I see that game and that tape translate into the NFL. I see the way that he plays football. He plays NFL caliber football. I, I, I like what I, I see. I definitely see that in his game. And and I saw a guy that could get open. You know, he could get open short. He can get open on crossing routes. He can get open, you know, obviously he, he does some nice things in the screen, screen game. He could get open deep. The guy, the guy's throwing in the ball struggled to hit him when yes. he was open deep. And so, so, I mean, that's a little bit hard to evaluate um, when you're watching his tape. Um, but he's an explosive guy, like you were saying, and he's great after the catch. So I, I, I agree. I think the slot probably is his most natural position. I, I don't know. You know, whoever drafts him may may try to stick him out out wide. He did play out wide a little bit, and and, and more of a wide receiver too, traditional wide receiver uh-huh. too. He might be able to slide into that kind of role too. I don't think he's I don't think he's too small uh, of a wide receiver to do that. I mean, at six foot two ten, he's got pretty decent size. Okay. Um. So, but him and the next two guys that we're going to talk about, I see I see all three of the guys in very similar light, and they're great. All three of them are great after the catch type of guys. They're all very good after the catch. They're all – I'd say D.J. Moore and Christian Kirk are way more similar than James Washington. I think James Washington's game's a slightly different. Right. Because um, I think James Washington's way more of a natural deep threat I agree. kind of guy. I, I agree with that. He, his, he, his, he does have a better deep end than the other two guys. And D.J. Moore and Christian Kirk are more similar where they're more of that, you know, short, intermediate route, screen, bubble screens kind of receivers. Fight for those dirty yards. Kind yeah, of. quick feet, quick quick to explode mm-hmm. and get those five yards off the field. And then if that's where they're utilized, again, it's just how much are they going to be targeted in their system to make that, a, you know, a utilization. Again, Jarvis Landry was really well put because they threw him right, a he, ton of footballs. Right, exactly. He was schemed to catch the football a ton. <laughs> and, you know, the feeling is – T.J. Moore is going to go in the first round of the NFL draft. That's what that's the feeling. That's that's the buzz around the NFL. He's definitely been he's been a riser, a so late riser for sure. That is somebody that's going to be heavily utilized in their system, and that could be. But again, if James Washington goes in a second to the right team, then I'm going to be okay with that. Yep. You know, if if the Jets take, for example, whatever quarterback they take at three, say they take Baker Mayfield, and then right there, bam, in the second round, they take a guy like James Washington. And then DJ Moore goes to Baltimore, then that might be my deal breaker. Hey, you know what? I love Baker Mayfield. I love the way he plays the game. I love his accuracy. 
I might roll with James Washington because right, and, and the and the fit would be better in my eyes too. A better fit, yeah. So because Flacco's more of a downfield guy. Where I mean, and we'll know in ten days. But like yeah. right now, we're just judging these guys off their college tape and their dynasty potential and how their game translates to the NFL. I really like the way DJ Moore's game translates to NFL. I actually like him significantly. You like Christian Kirk more. I like DJ Moore, and I like him significantly more. All right. Uh, to me. We'll talk about when we get to him, Christian Kirk. It's Christian Kirk's not a bad receiver. He's a good receiver. Um, I think he's a pretty good receiver, too, definitely in the college level. I see G.J. Moore's game translating better to the NFL than I do Christian Kirk's. Okay. But we'll get there. And, again, you like D.J. Shark ahead of these guys. So I do, yeah. You'll explain why you do when we get there. I like D.J. Moore more because I do see him catching a decent amount of footballs. And all, all the leagues that play in our PPR. So right. No, obviously, yeah. 80, 80 receptions for over 1,000 yards. Uh, I mean, the, the numbers speak for themselves there. He had more production than a lot of these, uh, especially DJ Chark, who was, you know, obviously limited by quarterback play and offense. Yeah. So so DJ Moore, I like him. I like him. I do. And I like most of these guys. I like that. I would honestly, you know, guys that really like to add to my roster, like, you know, that I'm, yeah. I would be excited to add. Ridley, Sutton, DJ Moore, James Washington, Shark. Yep. And then I have to dig it a little bit more in Antonio Callaway because I know that tape, you know, his off the field uh, Michael, concerns. Michael Galloway? Oh, oh Antonio Callaway. Yeah. Okay. Oh, and I like right. Michael Gallup. Too. Gallup. I like to add, yeah, add him to my team. Dante Pettis. Um, I need to dig into a little bit more before I've seen lightly on him. Uh, I like as well. But, I mean, those are guys I really like to add. I, I would not be opposed to any of my shares of Dynasty. And I like all these guys to the back end of the first round. You know what I mean? Because at that, at that point, I give most of these receivers we're talking about first-round dynasty rookie grades just because I feel the good value then is going to be the back end in the middle of the second round on these running backs. You know, I'd still bump Kerry and Johnson in there in the first round. I'd still bump Royce Freeman into the back end, but I think it'd be interchangeable about, you know, taking a guy like DJ Moore and then you're going to gamble a guy like Kerry and Johnson. I think the value for your dynasty league is – clearly going to be dj moore yeah no, and I, if, I was going to say i think moore is the guy that you'd probably want and we preach yeah. take best player available so that should be the tactic that you take there and taking a guy like dj moore i can understand if you're extremely desperate and going to die if you don't you know get a running back then you want to gamble there i wouldn't call it a smart move i think dj moore is a safe play in this draft i like him a lot yeah I, I agree. I, I like I said, him, Christian Kirk, and James Washington to me are all very, very close landing spot, and specifically whatever scheme that they're in is really going to determine. I'll, it's going to be the separator, I think, in their value because right now I kind of have them lumped together okay. four, five, six. All right, James Washington's the next guy we mentioned. I mentioned he's a 2017 Belitnikoff winner, uh, which is the Nate College Football's best receiver in 2017. He's five foot eleven, 213 pounds. So where he's an inch shorter than DJ Moore. He's 13 pounds heavier. Ran a 4.54, uh, 22 years old. Had 226 catches for 4,472 yards and 39 touchdowns. In 20, he had three consecutive years of over 1,000 yards receiving. In 2015, he had 53 catches for 1,087 yards and 10 touchdowns. In 2016, he had 71 catches for 1,380 yards and 10 touchdowns. And then in 2017, he had 74 catches for 1,549 yards and 13 touchdowns. So not only did he have 1,000 yards each of those last three years, but he got better every single year. Now, he had a pretty good quarterback in Mason Rudolph, too, which helps out a lot. That's a first-round potential quarterback we're talking about. But he is a big play wide receiver who tracks the ball well. He has fantastic 
hands. He consistently caught the ball away from his body, which I love. We yeah. talk about that all that's, the time. That's what you want to see out of Waters here. He ran his vertical routes fantastic. Yeah, no, and that that's like really the strength of Mason Rudolph's game. He's he's a much more of a downfield type of thrower, and it lined up perfectly with, with Washington was doing. Man, so yeah. it, it, they he, look great connecting downfield. You he know. averaged over twenty yards per catch mm-hmm. the last three seasons. Yep. This is good. I mean, he's a very good vertical receiver. Uh, he's really tough on those jump balls. He, he, he attacks. He attacks the ball. He I mean, attacks for, the football for being a for being a shorter guy, like you said. So that's that's where I see the like you you were comping Christian Kirk and DJ Moore and James Washington the same category. Like I, I I love the DJ Moore and Christian Kirk comps. I just see. James Washington's size is comparable, but his game and when I like the two things I like are completely different from DJ Moore and James Washington. Well, the the thing is, we saw DJ Moore get deep, but he just yes. their quarterback just couldn't hit him. Correct. So I don't, I don't, I think you know, obviously the production is different, yeah. but I, I think I think the difference in quarterback play is really drastically different. Is drastically different, and that's what separates their production. Yeah, James. And why Washington. why James Washington was a much more you know downfield type of guy. I just think he had a better quarterback throwing in the ball. Yeah, and Washington has more of that running back kind of build body to him, where, again, he is heavier. He is built stronger. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I mean, I think, you know, I wrote down for James Washington, Christian Kirk, and DJ, well, DJ Moore to a little bit to a lesser extent, but James Washington and Christian Kirk, they almost turn into running backs as soon as they get the balls in their hands. So, I mean, they catch the ball, they turn into a running back. They're making – Either players miss, or they're kind of you know out physical in guys and, and and getting those extra three or four yards. Mm-hmm. So I mean, they both you know James Washington he fights for extra yards. I really like that his just aggressive nature when he plays the game. Yeah, it's weird. Like I mentioned earlier about his route tree, um, one of his routes, his vertical route is his go-to, and then the rest of his routes are just okay. But when you watch him run, like he's not like he's not crisp. In his routes, like he, I agree. Yeah, he's he's how do you say? Like he's ra- like he rounds his routes. Almost, he's not. You know? Yeah, Cal- I mean like, Calvin Ridley, he, he sticks a foot in the ground, he's going the other direction, and he doesn't yeah. lose speed doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Washington, it, it, he's like you're saying, he's rounding him off. It, it makes it sound bad, but it's not that he's he's get he's still getting separation doing it. It's not like he he's he's not getting separation. It's just it doesn't look the same as a guy that you would say runs excellent routes. Got separation, but again, he saw almost in his conference saw no press coverage right. whatsoever. Right, no, at all. The, the, the you know that conference altogether doesn't play exactly. superior defense. No, and that, and that's something you mm. know that could be something that we need to see because that could change a whole dynamic. I mean, there's been receivers that have come in to be pretty good receivers, and all of a sudden you get down there, and we mentioned that they can't get away from press coverage and it throws them completely off, and they have no career in the NFL because of it. And I've, I've actually heard a few disparaging things about James Washington, in, in not like his character or anything, but just having some rough outings, you know, as far as I – I can't remember if it was pro day or, or like, um, private workouts, but having some rough rough times with his hands, which was surprising because huh. that doesn't show up at all in his game tape. No. I mean, it could be nerves maybe. Maybe some concentration and things along those lines. Could, but for the most be. part, I yeah. liked his hands coming yeah. into the draft. I mean, I mean obviously, also. for all those catches and yards, that kind of shows there. And I, to me, he comes off to more of a big play threat than an elite receiver. You okay. know, that's where I see him as where I want to see where he goes. I want to see where he lands. But it's there is more concern, I guess, with James Washington NFL game than there would to me be DJ Moore's NFL game. I And – 
you may you may have something there. I'll I'll put it that way. Though that the way you stated that, I think I mean, like I said, I've got these guys so close that landing spot and the way he's going to be potentially used really is going to determine where James Washington is on my board. And he could drop from four. He could, I mean, he could go to six or seven, depending on on some other he, guy's he landing spot. He can fall far. Again, I, I like because I like I, I like what I see. I don't think he'll fall much farther than the that. The roll of the dice is there because yeah. it's worth it. it. I mean, he's a big play. He's a really good receiver, mm-hmm. and if he can translate to the NFL, you know, if he can, if he can, if he doesn't have a problem with press coverage, if he if he could kind of tighten up those routes a little bit, you know, and be well coached. The guy could be dynamic. You know, he could be a good wide receiver too for your your dynasty team. But there's some like when I mentioned I feel really safe with DJ Moore. I like James Washington. I do. So I do. I, I do I would, also. As of today, I would draft him. You know what you're saying without saying though. it is is there's there's higher upside guys, and you you see more upside in a guy like DJ Moore yes. than you do in a guy like James Washington. And and I think you might actually be right. I think you might actually be on something there. I mean, this is a guy that we've been preaching for months now, and yeah. now actually you get into the tape, it's yeah. starting to you're, – you're like, okay. And when you get to guys like that in your rookie draft, if you do have some concern, then you might go elsewhere. You know, you're like, yeah, I like James Washington. I don't love the situation. I'm just going to take Royce Freeman. Right. And you know, it's like, he, I'm going to go that route. Right, and it's like, oh, if James Washington ends up on a team like Seattle or something like that where – you know there isn't a lot. There aren't a lot of balls going around there, and you're not going to. So he'll naturally drop. Yeah, then and, I exactly. Then you're really concerned there when you right. have Doug Baldwin. There's not a lot of balls to go around for the number two receiver as it is there. Then you're somewhat concerned. So I mean, we'll see if he goes to you know a place like the 49ers, though. Also in that division, you might get a little bit more excited because that's their handpicked guy. And would he, love him in Kyle Shanahan's right. offense. Would at, you saying that? Which I haven't even thought of. James Washington and Kyle Shannon's offense where he really knows how to utilize those kind of receivers. Definitely he really knows how to utilize James Washington's kind of game of that vertical route and how to use that. And that's that's like Shanahan's go-to right. uh, so, play there. I would love him. I would love him and somehow if he end up in San Francisco, love him. Say say James Washington slips to the third round and he's there for San Francisco. Sure. I don't know if they have a third round pick. I don't know. Right. We but don't have if a, they do, one of the you know, picks But we'll see. And that, and that again, that would be a huge boost to me with a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo and his smarts and Garoppolo's playmaking ability. And no and real, I mean, focus. no real established guy other than, you know, Garcon, who's Mar- older. They just resigned Mark Marquis Goodwin. Good comp uh, co- contract. I think he's a nice little sneaky dynasty play that could be a really good low end wide receiver, too. Right. He's no spring chicken either, though. He's no, about he's 28. 28. Yeah. yeah, he is 28. So a guy like James Washington come in there and be that guy where you have the safe Pierre Garcon. So we'll find out where he is after the draft. Good upside. Definitely. But the, the floor is definitely a lot lower than some of these guys. We'll say that. Yep. But I will say this, too. If you look back at all the history of the Bolitnikoff winners, um, it's pretty. they're pretty good, you know, for the most part. And I went back there earlier this week. I can't mention my name, you know, but three out of the last, I think, 12 years are Oklahoma State guys because uh, Fat Boy himself, Justin Blackman, won it back-to-back years. Right. You know, Amari Cooper won it. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald, Brandy Moss. A lot of Blitnikoff winners. Was Dez? No. No. Okay. He wasn't on the list. Um, were, you know, like a guy like Terry Glenn, if you go back to down to 2000, around that time. F- Larry Fitzgerald Larry was Fitzgerald for sure. Larry Fitzgerald's Blitnikoff yeah. winner. Um, you know, last, last Mar- Corey Coleman, Amari Cooper, Dee Westbrook, 
was a Blinnikov winner. Marquise Lee was a Blinnikov winner. And we're a guy like, you know, Marquise Lee is a solid receiver. D.D. Westbrook showed some good promise last year. But look, I just went back and looked at it because when I was doing some James Washington study. It's interesting to look at things like that it and is, see if they translate. What's the history of the, you know, kind of like the Heisman Trophy at quarterback? It has no history of success in the NFL. I was like, what's the history of the Bolidnikov winner? You know? Well, I would, I would imagine that one translates a little bit better. And I looked at it, I was like, you know, all these guys I wouldn't mind to have on my team. Mm. Even right now, like a guy like D.D. Westbrook, I wouldn't mind having D.D. Westbrook on my dynasty team with some good upside there. Oh, absolutely. With, yeah. I wouldn't mind having Marquise Lee to catch 85 footballs on my dynasty team right about now as well. You know, and obviously we want Amari Cooper for going back not, you know, just the last couple of years. Um, and I think that's that itself is a nice little stamp of approval because there's not many bona fide bust on that Belinikoff list is my point. Right. I mean, so. Blackman, obviously the most notable that you mentioned there, and that was drinking related. Yeah. I mean, he was an absolutely, he was, he right. smoked a lot of weed, but when he came in, he dominated early too. I mean, right. he was a stud and everybody wanted Justin Blackman. He was the number fourth overall, I think in the NFL draft. And then he just smoked a lot of weed and got fat. And was like, you know, some people get suspended. Like, Oh, I got to work and get back. Justin Blackman got suspended. He's like, Ooh, ice cream. Yeah. So there's that next guy we're going to talk about. Christian Kirk, Texas A&M, 5'10", 201 pounds, 234 catches, 2,856 yards, and 26 touchdowns. Uh, his career at Texas A&M ran a 4-4-5-40. To me, he's a very solid overall receiver. Very good stop-start ability. Mm-hmm. I really like that on the film. Runs pretty good routes, has really good hands. Gets in and out of his breaks very quickly. Uh, very aggressive after he does get the football. Like a little dart, you know what I mean? Gets his shoulders out, pad. Like you said, almost turns into a running back. Um, not a lot of catches away from his body. It seems like the ball had to be tossed to him. So I'm not like overly impressed with his like go out and get the football skills. I just didn't see that on the film. And to me, it's just when I watch a Christian Kirk film, I like it. Like I think he's good. I just don't know how overly excited I am about that translating to the NFL. Like, to me, if he's good, it doesn't shock me. If he does almost nothing, it doesn't shock me as well. Again, I think he's a very solid overall receiver. Yeah. But being very solid overall receiver doesn't always translate to the NFL. Because you're, a ve- I've just seen a lot of guys like Christian Kirk in college football that are like Christian Kirk, right? And they're pretty solid that do nothing in the NFL. Like he didn't do anything that really knocked my socks off. It's it's hard to say a lot of his stuff translated because a lot of it's screen screen passes and, uh-huh. and 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 all those kind of stuff and a lot of the crossing routes that are real close to the line of scrimmage. So it's it's hard, but more and more that stuff's creeping into the NFL nowadays. Correct. So you know, I think we have to kind of look at where he lands, see how they're going to use him if they're an innovative offense that can get him open on some of these short crossing routes and some of the stuff that's close to the line of scrimmage and, and he can gain yards after the catch and they're going to consistently do that. Then he's got value. If if they don't, then it's, it's hard to say if he's good enough at all the other stuff. Yeah. For For the me, for me, for him to be dynasty relevant, you're asking a lot when I watch the tape and he falls in the category. I think he'll be good for an NFL team. You know what I mean? I think he's a very solid receiver along those lines. I just don't know how good he's going to be for your dynasty team. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. For a guy that is probably going to go in the first round of a lot of these dynasty rookie drafts, I'm with you on, like, I'd rather, at this point, I'm gamble on a guy like Michael Gallup. I'm going to gamble on a guy, definitely DJ Shark, uh, ahead of him. And at that point, I might as well even gamble on a guy like Equinemius. You know what I mean? It's like, 
I don't see the upside of Christian Kirk, the ceiling of Christian Kirk. I see the ceiling of Christian Kirk, like him being like him a success story is like a really good wide receiver three for your dynasty team. And for me, I'm just not interested in investing that kind of investment in the first round of my rookie draft. And like I said, if he surpasses that, I'm not going to be like, oh, shame on me. I'm wrong on him. I just don't see it. Like if I yeah. had to gamble out of all these guys that are going the first round, um, I'm going to gamble on – I mean, who is the running back we said not that like – Ronald Jones, right? Mm-hmm. He's kind of the Ronald Jones for me of the receivers okay. this year. <laughs> Honestly, I just don't really want anything to do with him. I, I got don't, you. I got you. I don't see – I don't see that fantasy eliteness. Like with DJ Moore, I could see it where, like, okay, this guy's. Now you like this guy more than DJ Moore, so I don't understand that. But to me, I see DJ Moore catching eighty footballs. I don't really see Christian Kirk catching eighty footballs. I really don't. I just, I really don't. I, I think, I think, I think he can in the right system. That's the thing, and that's why landing spot for though, like particularly those three guys, is going to matter so much for me. So. So I, I mean, Christian Kirk, he's a, he's a tough guy. He's a tough physical guy. Once he gets the ball in his hands, it's, you don't see him run all these crazy routes and everything like that to know whether he's going to be able to function in a normal NFL offense. So if he doesn't land in a normal, I mean, like if he does land in a normal NFL offense, he'll probably slide down my board a little bit. If he runs into one of these offenses where they're implementing a lot of the college style type of stuff. Then maybe he regain like he retains his value and he sits there at number five or number six on my wide receiver board. Yeah, like I said, to me he's just he's a good. I think he's going to get drafted. I think he's going to be good for an NFL team. Again, I'm just slightly worried where he's going to fall into my dynasty. I don't, I don't think I'd be taking him in the first round of, no. of the rookie draft, but I would feel all right getting him at the second round. And, I feel, and that's where I feel, and maybe, and that's where maybe that's where I'm biased because where he's going right now yeah. as in the first round of rookie drafts, I just don't. I don't want anything to do with him in the first round. I won't have him high enough where he's going to get there for me. Yeah. So if I'm in, if I'm at pick two, I'm going to have tight ends. Two, I'm going to have tight. He's my he's not my number five or number six wide receiver, and I've probably got five or six running backs, and I for sure have a tight end or two that are going to be in there. So yeah, it's exactly. He's going to be. If you're looking for fantasy production, what is he going to outdo on the upside of a guy like Dallas Goddard, Mike Gesicki, or a guy like Mark Andrews? Uh, I don't know. I haven't watched enough Hayden Hurst tape yet, but, you know, he's he, – I don't know. He's I, old. That's the one thing about Hayden Hurst. He's like 24. Yeah. And yeah, that enough for a tight end is enough to get me off his board. Right. He played like he played like professional baseball or something like oh, yeah. that. Okay. So he's Okay, he's Brandon Whedon light. Yeah, I don't need that. All right? Because <laughs> it takes three years for tight ends to develop for the most part. Anyways, what, you're going to be 27? They're going to be out of league in three years? Give me a guy like Dallas. Like, to me, Dallas Goddard easily – out of a guy like Christian Kirk. You know? 100%. Mike Kosicki's athleticism and yeah. long-term play. Give me Mike Kosicki. You right. know what I mean? And then with a guy like Mark Andrews with his athletic ability and his size, give me him over Christian Kirk as well. Right, and you're taking the, the three running backs. You're taking, you know, probably you're taking Chubb before him easily. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean. Royce Freeman. Royce Freeman. I mean, people are going to take Ronald Jones. People are, I mean, there's going to be a lot of. I would take Ronald Jones ahead of Christian Kirk. I probably would also, to be honest. Um, that's scary enough. As <laughs> <laughs> scary enough of a statement, right there. That, that says it all. Am I not? Am I right? Am right. right? Am I right? Am you're I'm right. right. You're okay. Right. You're Let's right. move on now. All right. Um, Equinemius St. Brown out of Notre Dame. He's six foot four, two hundred fourteen pounds. Cool backstory on him is that you know his dad was a two-time Mister Universe bodybuilder. Mm-hmm. Met his mom in Germany. Married his mom. His mom only speaks German. To her, her children. Yes. Uh, Multilingual, I hear. So, 
<laughs> me like equinemies. <laughs> um, but for the same time, he had 92 catches for 1,484 1, yards and 13 touchdowns. Ran a 4.48 at the combine. And the tape, there's not a lot of tape there. You know, he, his good tape is with Deshaun Kaiser. I was going to say, la- la- yeah, last year he, he had 961 yards. Nine touchdowns. No, that's in six in 2016 and 961. Yeah, I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, 2016. I meant last year as in the previous to this to this past year. I'm sorry. So 2016 had 961 yards, which is which is pretty decent. That was with Deshaun Kaiser. Yes. Who is not very accurate. No. Uh, but but that's the kind of wide receiver he needs a six foot five guy with a huge wingspan. Uh, but this this past year, you know, the whole offense of Notre Dame kind of kind of had a transformation to more run heavy, as I mentioned earlier in the show. And, and really, his numbers suffered, but he was the leading wide receiver on their team with 515 yards. So it's not like it's not like anyone else was getting exactly a, it wasn't a ton of he, yards. It wasn't because he was bad. Right. It's because his surrounding cast was bad. And they, like you said, they relied on a running game. When you have a guy like Quentin Nelson and Mike McGlinchey out there as your your left tackle and guard, you're going to run the football. And and know? they won more games doing it than the, than the year before when they were you know chucking the ball all over the yard. He's kind of lean right now, but like I said, mentioned his dad was a former Mr. Universe. He has got room to grow uh, into his body. He definitely has a potential to be. He has the size. I mean, it's, it's he has the speed at close to six foot five and and two hundred and fifteen pound two hundred fourteen pounds running a four four eight. He has got wide receiver one potential. Out the the yin yang, you know what I mean. He's just he walks in the building, and you're like, oh, who's this guy? You yes. know, like, and, and and he makes the big plays and stuff like that. That's I mean, when he was catching passes, they all seem to be pretty pretty big plays. So he I he's got a ton of upside. That's why he's on this list where he's at. And we mentioned there's not many receivers in this group. They have n- true number one upside. That profile is a number one, yeah. I- I'd say maybe DJ Shark. I'd say Equinemia St. Brown. And I would say Cortland Sutton. Right. And that's a pretty short list. And those are all guys that are 6'3 or above. Yeah. And, I mean, there's guys that are bigger than that, like a guy like Simi Cobb, but he does not have the speed no, to no. be a number one ever. Like, he does not even remotely have the speed. Where Equinemia does have the speed at running a 4'4'8. That's a very good time for a guy that's six foot four. 214 pounds and he's a smooth athlete you wouldn't think i mean like six foot five some guys can look gangly and, and uncoordinated and that's not him at all no you know? let's say i mean his body some of these guys are maxed out you know like a guy like dj moore you know is probably maxed out a guy like james washington's like maxed out you don't see you know calvin Ridley's not getting too much bigger equinemius can get bigger i i could see him putting on another 10 10 pounds mm-hmm. and looking like a tight end light out there and that's yeah, so just imagine that a guy is six foot four, two hundred twenty four pounds, and running a four five. Well, you're you're sneaking into like Calvin Johnson or yeah, Calvin Johnson type of body frame at that point. Belichick winner, right? So, um, total total freak um, as far as size, speed, uh, and and that's why he's here. Not to mention the the year before the production was there. You know what I mean? The nine hundred sixty one yards and, and almost double digit touchdowns, nine touchdowns speaks volumes to me so i mean this year the quarterback play was atrocious and, and they just ran the heck out of the ball some of the other negatives i saw on tape with him a little bit was be like you know he was kind of when it comes to those 50 50 balls for a guy his size he's a little bit like yeah. you know, like 
it was not overly like, oh yeah, give me that b- football, right? Where, yeah, when especially after watching a guy like James Washington who like attacks the ball in the air, yeah, and, and he's almost like waiting for the ball to get not, to him. Not overly great yeah. after the he catches the football, like not too hard to bring down for being a big guy. No, so his yards no. after the catch wasn't overly right. Fantastic. Yeah, you compare him to a Cortland Sutton who's who's making moves and breaking tackles and 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 you know running an extra thirty uh-huh. yards after he after he catches the ball. To score touchdowns, it's not quite there for equanimous. You're going to have to be patient with him if you draft him. Um, I he, think, his payoff could be huge, though. I think he's a really good pick, very high in the second round. Yeah, like I like him. Say you go Saquon Barkley one at one one. I really like taking the gamble on him at two two. Why not shoot for the ceiling? Now, obviously, you know if you're okay and you need a tight end, I'm totally on board with going Dallas Goddard because I gave Dallas Goddard a first round. I understand we have to, we do this all the time. We say, hey, take this guy in the first round, even nobody else, nobody's really going to take him in the first round. Mm-hmm. So most likely in 98% of the drafts, I think Dallas Goddard's going to be there at two one. So I would kind of lean that way unless I had like an Evan Ingram and George Kittle combo. But I see no reason whatsoever not why why not to shoot for the ceiling. For a guy like Economius. Obviously, if a guy like DJ Shark is on the board, I would take him ahead of him. But, you know, I think both those two guys are really good examples of guys that could be there at 2 1, 2 2, that all of a sudden those guys are taking, like a guy like Christian Kirk, where you have, you're taking a lot of risk, but there's some really good upside. And when you get to the second round of your rookie draft, I love, like in the first round, I love taking best player available, not getting too risky. When I see with guys that have really low floors and a little bit too risky, I just like to sometimes pass on them because yeah, no. it's literally, I would say those cases, in most cases, those are usually like 70, 30, bust, 60, right? 40 yeah. with the high end being bust. Yep. So I know it's a gamble. For the most part, you're going to lose that gamble. I mean, after playing Dynasty for 15 years, you learn a thing or two. And I learned that for the most part, when people are like, oh, those high upside, low floor guys are usually low floor guys. Right. And there's no really like in between, right? There's not. There's no, not I'm with you there, between. man, because I've, I've taken some shots on some guys and, and really gotten burnt. So, um, uh, the tall wide receiver, the six foot five guy, just from a few, like four years ago, he got traded to Philadelphia. Yeah, I can't even think of his name anymore. That's how horrible it is. Wow. He, we both liked him a lot. Yeah. For, ups, for upside. For upside. Player there. Uh, so that's where Equinemius kind of falls in effect. Real, he's there's the tape is so limited, but what you do see on that, that the the stuff that you like, you do like, and I think if you, with a little bit of growth, a little bit of tutelage, a little bit of patience, we're talking about 2020, yeah, season when you're gonna get some value. And I, I, he, I, he's the kind of guy I mentioned this before. I mentioned this about some players. He's the guy I want to put a star next to, right? Yeah, yeah. And I want to put a star to him, and I have no problem letting somebody else draft him. And then mid-season 2019, I'm making a move for him. Uh, I I agree. He's a guy that he might take a couple years. Just a last closing note on Equinemius. Saw like an interview with the guy, head on straight, totally like he's together. He's a, he's a he's a really he just seemed like a smart kid from Notre yeah. Dame. I mean, whereas and you go back a few years and like Michael Floyd coming out of Notre Dame, like guy sounded like he had shit for brains. He barely spoke English. He could barely fucking put together a sentence. And Equinemius was just exactly the opposite of him. So yeah. a high upside guy seemed very seemed Again, very bright. Pretty important stuff. Absolutely, you know, man. You got to be smart in the NFL too. Yeah. If you're not smart, smart, 
you better be extremely athletic and good at football. Yep. Because being smart helps out a lot. Absolutely. We both agree Equinemius right there at the top, high end the second round, right around there. Yeah, I think, I think. so. Yeah. And I don't see that really shifting right now, no matter where the NFL draft kind of plays with him because he's a long-term play. And and I don't think any NFL team is going to like go crazy and draft him in the first round. So he, he's going to be a guy that goes in like the second round, I think. Second, the third round. Second, third. I see him yep. even possibly being more of a third-round kind of guy. But and what's nice about him, too, in a, in a kind of weird way is like, He's not going to help you right away. And if you're picking at the high end of the part of the draft anyways, which means he's not going to help you prove right away. It might not actually that be that bad. Right? Which is not a bad thing when it comes to Dynasty because Saquon's going to give you a boost pretty quickly. Um, but that gives you one more year of picking high in the draft for the following year. And then when he really starts to turn around, you already have, you're in year three of Saquon. Year two of the guy you took number one over a year previously, and everybody else you built around there. It might just all click at once. It yeah. all clicks in once, and that's where that te- that's where you really start to build a competitor for about three to four years. Yeah. Uh, next guy, one of your favorite guys in this entire draft, DJ Shark, LSU, six foot two, one hundred ninety nine pounds, ran a four three four. 40. Whoa, that's fast. Yeah, he had 66 catches for 1,351 yards, six touchdowns, played two years. Uh, well, pl- technically he was on the team for four years, but he had zero receptions in the first two years. But for so those were his stats for pretty much two years because he had zero receptions the first two years. Um, this guy led all college wide receivers with 21.9 yards per catch. Say what? Led all college receivers with that. Uh, 43% of his catches were for 20 yards or more. So he is a true deep threat with a really nice double move. If you watch his film, almost all of his plays are bombs. They are they are a lot there are a lot of go routes in there. Not really a great route runner because he wasn't even really asked to do that mostly. Well, I, I mean I don't I don't think you, you don't get a chance to see a lot of it on tape. And and you know, I think we do have to note that the quarterback play there was terrible. Yes, they're a run first team. They're a run first team. So I mean like a lot of these LSU wide receivers don't have great stats coming into the NFL. But look at them when they get to the NFL. But look at look at how they perform once they get there. So I mean, this guy profiles as a really explosive athlete. I mean, obviously the four three four speaks for itself. He had a forty inch vertical, and and you mentioned he's six foot two. I I, I believe you me- measured in at six foot three, on, at the combine. Um, it could be it could be one of those rounding errors. I don't know. Um, you may have rounded down. I may have rounded up. No big deal. He's big. I have him down to six foot two, seven inches. Okay, Combine six foot numbers. six, six two seven, which in my eyes is six foot three. That's that's close enough. Okay, um, six two and a half. So, uh, <laughs> so at uh, at one hundred ninety nine pounds, I, I think he could definitely put on a few pounds. I mean, he's a little light in the shorts Very there. Very lean. But if you're running that fast, it, it doesn't bother me as much, I guess, because you're getting past people with your quickness and your speed and and maybe you don't need that extra 15 pounds to muscle guys because you're you're burning them so you see him you see him more than like a ted ginn type i do because i think he's got i think he has really good body control i saw him make some really nice sideline catches where he's getting he's getting two feet down in saw college that. saw that and, and making really nice catches some nice over the shoulder catches some nice over the shoulder catches i think he's i think he's a more natural catcher of, of the ball and a more natural uh, wide receiver, whereas Ted Ginn, I think, was more just athletically fast and more track speed, you know what I mean, and and just trying to figure out the wide receiver position for probably like the first 
six or seven years of his NFL career. I think he's finally starting to settle into a niche now, which is, I mean, how many years in the league is he? Like nine or ten or something like that? He, he's, it's been a while. He's been in the league for a long time. Um, and DJ Shark, what I really like about him, he goes to the Senior Bowl. He produces well there all all week and then completely explodes during the game. Has an amazing game. He, I mean, I, he won like co MVP as a wide receiver, which almost never happens. It's it's usually, it's usually just the quarterbacks that get end up getting that. Uh, you know, as per normal uh, NFL regulations, the quarterbacks have to get like the MVPs of everything. So, I think his game translates really well to the NFL. I think he's gonna be able to get by by people and with better quarterback play. A lot of these LSU wide receivers have proven. All it takes is a little bit more of an opportunity, and they can shine. And I think he's a guy that can shine. Yeah, and he can definitely be one of those guys where, you know, I think he's going to rely on the big plays to really help your fantasy football team. Uh, he's got the speed, oh, wow. that's for sure. But, again, he's going to need the quarterback that's going to really mesh with him as well. So I think he needs to go to the right spot as well. You know? I agree. Um, but, I mean, you, you, you put him in a vertical offense with uh, Baltimore – I mean, they obviously needed um, a deep threat there. They love throwing the ball deep. I don't love Flacco, but that I mean, it suits it suits his game. It pretty suits well. his game. It would be a nice fit. I mean, I would prefer him with a guy you know like Big Ben or somebody like that. But I mean, I, even there, that's a short term answer as well. So, it, really, it's going to take a vertical threat type of offense to really get the most out of DJ Shark. But I think he's more than just a deep threat. I know that's an element of his game, and that's you know obviously what people are going to point at with the twenty-one, uh, you know, over twenty-one yard average this past year. Yeah, I mean at one ninety-nine too. It's not like he's super lean at six-two. You know, I mean he could add a couple pounds, but two hundred pounds for six-two. It's it's not terrible. It's not. Know? It isn't terrible. I mean, if no. he was two six foot two hundred five, we'd be like, oh, okay, that's pretty good. You know, so we're talking like a matter of like him adding on about six pounds of. You know, muscle, which really won't affect his speed too much at the same time. I want to see him clean up some of his, you know, I'd like to see him do, I'd like to see him do a little bit more than just be that deep threat guy. That's what I want to see him do. And I think, and I agree with you, the gamble is worth that high in the second round to gamble on him. I know in our rookie mock drafts, you've been taking him in the first round. He's your number three overall receiver. I mean, I took a, I, I in that rookie mock draft, I, I picked last, right? Yeah, you picked him twelfth. So I picked so. him twelfth overall. I mean, that's I see him in that range, though, for yeah. for sure. I, I mean, I guess stand by your guys, man. Like I said, I would definitely take DJ Moore ahead of him. I would probably take James Washington ahead of him right now, uh, but it depends on the landing spot as well. And I don't know, like to me, DJ Shark and a guy like Michael Gallup are pretty close. Okay, for me, personally. Um, I like DJ Shark's upside. Yeah, I mean, I, I comparing but, DJ Shark with with Gallup to me, obviously Shark is much faster. Much faster. He's taller. Much taller. <laughs> he, um, he's just a, a. They both are big play guys. It's just here, I understand. Here, here's that. the thing with here's the thing with Shark is, if he doesn't do if he doesn't polish up a couple things here then he's literally in the NFL most likely going to be a one-trick pony, and he's going to fall into that early Deshaun Jackson role. He's going to fall into that Ted Ginn role where if he's you know, you're waiting for him to make that 70-yard catch or, and then score a touchdown, or he's not really doing much for you. Or was that all he was asked to do at LSU? Yeah, I'm, say, I'm, not, I'm not saying Which, that because of the, the system they run there. I'm not right. saying it. I'm just telling you 
the same thing we're worried about some things with James Washington I'm just worried about like does everything is everything gonna translate like, obviously you believe that 100% I do. yeah and I don't I just I you're not there yet I I'm got not you. there yet I like I do I like him yeah I yeah. mean this is a guy we've been we said before we both like him so I don't use this as a deterrent it's just again I'm just gonna fall back to the guy that I think like I know his game translates to the NFL and I see him catching about at least I think minimum 60 footballs into a guy like DJ Moore who I know I could slide into my wide receiver three role probably is my worst case scenario High case scenario, he ends up being like a good wide receiver two, high end wide receiver two, and DJ Shark could be one of those guys where like I just I you know I'm starting him as my bye week filler and hope he has a big play, you know. No, I got you. But I do see the upside of Shark of being yeah, this guy is a consistent threat. He's always lined up as a, you know outside receiver out there, and he's being targeted. And they're showing him a couple you know maybe some quick slants or some nice post routes that he can run as well. And then get him into the game that way. Let's talk about our last guy. Let's get into it here. Uh, Michael Gallup out of Colorado State, six foot two hundred five, ran a four five one forty. Only played two years at Colorado State. He was at uh, Butler County Community College in Kansas before that for two years. But this guy had in his two years, he had one hundred and seventy six catches for two thousand six hundred eighty five yards and twenty one touchdowns. In his first year at Colorado State. He had 76 catches for 1,272 yards and 14 touchdowns. And then his second year, he had 100 catches for 1,413 yards and seven touchdowns. Basically the whole offense. He was the whole, <laughs> yeah, he was pretty much the uh, yeah, pretty much the whole offense. Pretty much there. the whole offense there. Um, no big deal. He was heavily targeted. This is a guy who's just – he's a fantastic athlete. Like, he's, he's a really good athlete, runs really good routes. For a guy coming out of community college and coming into Colorado mm-hmm. State and – the difference between his 16 tape and his 17 tape, and 16, I thought he ran pretty decent routes. And 17, I thought he even ran better routes. So to me, this is a kid that's growing. He's growing. As a wide for receiver. Sure. Like when I when I project him, when I said we're at like, okay, I mean, I might like to take a guy like Michael Gallup ahead of a guy like DJ Shark, that I want to take ahead of a guy like Christian uh Kirk. It's because this is a guy that again, real athletic. Pretty solid route runner. Looked really good with the football in his hands. Not afraid to go out and get the football. Oh no! At all tracks the Aggressive. ball really well. Yes, man. I mean, I've seen. I mean, there was one play that sticks out in my mind. He's wide open, uh, going deep on like a post, and instead of hitting, instead of the quarterback throwing it, you know, on on his left shoulder, which was the you know the side that would have been natural, he throws he throws it over the other shoulder. So he's looking over his left shoulder locates the ball and has to come all the way back over to the right side to make the catch and catches it flawlessly, you know, and, and looks amazing doing it, makes it look easy. And, and that's the kind of athlete Michael Gallup is. And he's a guy to definitely get excited about. He's a sleeper beyond like, yeah, he, I mean, he's a guy that right now you can probably get midway. Second. Yeah. Midway through the second round to back into the second round. I, and I'd have to have him there. I'd have, there'd be yeah. no way, right. nobody else I take ahead of him. I think if you want to, if you want to get risky with, again, we talk about the guy, you want to get some upside there in the first pick in the second round. If you want to get risky and some, and look at somebody, maybe some of the people in your rookie draft going, Oh, way to reach on that guy. Cause he ain't going to be there in the third round. When you pick Michael Gallup might be your guy. Right. This is a guy that I see that, again, from 16 to 17, which is the only tape I got on him, got better. Uh, and when I see him play and I see that, I, I just see the growth and potential there. 
I could see him being a really good receiver. And I, not to, to the point where I could see him being him long-term. It would not shock me if this guy, when we look back at it, and there's always these players in these drafts, there are always these players in these rookie drafts, then when you go look back five years from now and look at what players were selected in our rookie draft in the second round, and we see his name on there, I'm like, wow, what a freaking steal that was. Right, and he, I mean, he could end up going you know, anywhere third or fourth round, I think, in the NFL draft. But I think in your rookie draft, it would behoove you to take him you know, middle of the second round to the end of the second I, round. I wouldn't even argue if you took him high in the first round. That, and that's where it is. High in the second round? Of your rookie draft. High in the second round. Yeah. Yeah, you said first. Oh, yeah, high in the second round. Yeah, that's yeah. what I meant. And I want to see where he lands. I want to make sure, you know, they got a good solid coaching staff there too. But, again, I mean, all the signs are there mm-hmm. for this guy to be a good NFL wide receiver. I, I love the way the guy – I mean, even on things – you know, he ran he ran all the routes. He, he was great at, at – at tracking down deep stuff, but on the screen plays, I loved his ability to just get upfield quickly and make yardage and and, and really uh, create yards too. I mean, it wasn't like he was juking people out of the shorts, but no, his but, vision was fantastic. But he just had really good he had really good vision to bob and weave in in through traffic on those little screen pass screen passes. So, um, really like his upside, man, and. Uh, I, I definitely see a lot of the stuff that he does in college translating to the NFL. So I can definitely see where, why you're excited, why, you know, why I'm starting to get excited about the guy as well. Like I said, like you mentioned, the, you know, the pass where he had to readjust on there and the way mm-hmm. he does adjust the ball and the way he does catch the football. And then, like when you see that, you get excited, right? Right. When you see the way he runs his route to get to have his breaks, you get a little bit excited about that for how, you know, from a guy out of Colorado State who's played two years of community college, you get a little excited. And then like you mentioned when he actually has the ball in his hands, you know, the way that he's not afraid of contact and the way his vision and the way he does just lines himself up, run with the football. You're like, that guy just, he's a natural born receiver. This guy gets it. You yep. know what I mean? This is, this is a guy where we mentioned before, like James Washington, who turns more into a running back with the ball in his hands. And, you know, when he's running the football, he's, he's dynamic. But again, I said he's more of like a big time player than more of like elite receiver. When I flip the script on a guy like Michael Gallup, then you're saying, "Oh, this guy could be like a really elite receiver." I mean, for example, you know when you we see Demarius Thomas, especially when he was younger in his career, take a lot of those screen passes, and he just looks he looks slippery or something. You know, like he's not juking people out of his shorts, out of their shorts, but he's he's getting like seven eight yards on these screen passes. And you don't know how the heck he got there, you know. And he's just—he's making guys subtly miss on these little little screen passes where there's tons of action in front of him. He just has really good vision and, and ability to like squirt through little areas, man. Yeah, I mean, he's at Colorado State, yep. so let's, we got to see how it translates. But there's a right. lot of upside there. You know, I'm saying if I had like pick one, four, two, four, and three, four. You know, right now I'm envisioning my head to me like a nice dream upside draft to me. I can see pan out to be fantastic three years from now. Is that like me coming away with Rashad Penny, Michael Gallup, and then like a guy like Mark Andrews? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? To me, I'm coming away like, okay, there's some gambling going on here, but if I pay off, this is a draft that's going to pay off big time. It's got a good rec- tight end, yeah. a good receiver, and a good running back where, you know, they're all kind of like, you know, uh, but hey. Right. I know that's really good analysis, right? Uh. Hey. A good sound effects, anyway. Yeah. Wow. Look at Rich really breaking down those players. 
But so for me, that people could see your face though, they'd get it. Well, you know, coming soon to a theater near you. Uh, so I like him a lot, man. I like him more than Michael Gallup, uh, more than Christian Kirk, uh, for sure. Uh, and to me, you know, I know Chark and Equinemius have a higher ceiling than him, but I don't see his ceiling too far behind. And I see a little bit more for overall receiver aspect of it. I see he shows me a little bit more. Okay. But again, he's not as big. He's not as fast. But those guys in the NFL, there's a lot of guys that weren't as big and weren't as fast in the NFL that turned out to be really good damn receivers. I'm, I'm with and you. And honestly, yeah. And honestly, for the most part, I guess another thing going back to Chark that you could translate, you know, a lot of those guys that come in and run in the four threes at receiver, a lot of those guys actually don't come in the NFL and do jack squat. Now that I think about it. You know, honestly, when we talk about speed wise, like, all the best receivers, none of those guys really ran four threes. No. Right? Not really. For the most part, none of those guys were like overly, you know, crazy fast. Again, I like speed though. So Yeah, um, I mean, go ahead, L. So yeah, that's where I put him in here. I like him in the mid second round, and I would put him ahead of Christian Kirk. So that's it for the first batch of wide receivers. Love it, man. Yeah, I, I think an interesting, it's, it's an interesting batch. It's an interesting a lot, group. Some, some high upside guys. Some guys that are a little a couple bit guys will picks. be complete bust for sure. Two of these guys might not probably do a damn thing in the NFL. I see two of them being you know probably really good, and probably three of them being pretty solid guys. Like they end up being like a Jeremy Macklin, who like you know a pretty good wide receiver too on your dynasty roster. You have on there for about four to six years, and you're pretty happy with them. And then it's like he's gone. And you're like, oh, that was a good draft pick. Yeah, you know? that was worth it. Yeah. It's worth it, you know, because like at the time, Jeremy Macklin was a first round pick in rookie drafts, right around pick nine, right around pick ten. I think is where Macklin went. Right, which is which is not drafts. a bad not a bad pick because you're most likely a, a pretty good team, and, and that'll just you yeah. know he'll fill in for a wide receiver three for a while. Maybe you'll get him up to a wide receiver two, and that's and, and we mentioned all the time value. people want to get into the rookie drafts. They're, they're afraid to trade these rookie picks. They're thinking they're getting the next. You know, Julio Jones, the next A.J. Green, the next, you know, Todd Gurley, when in really realistic terms, there's only a handful of those guys out there in the entire NFL span every rookie draft since the rookie drafts began. And I think this wide receiver class, again, is more full of a lot of, like, wide receiver twos with a couple guys that have a little bit of potential of being wide receiver one upsides. So if you're okay with those guys, which you should be, towards the back end of the first round because that's where, you know, the, the good teams pick and you're looking for one of those guys that you kind of sit on or just throw into your roster where if they could be a good wide receiver two and you're, you're, and they're your wide receiver three, that's fantastic. You know, when you're your wide receiver two, two three is a right. wide receiver two. Absolutely. So they're good for those kind of teams as well. And then there's some high upside gamble guys you could take there in the second round if you need receiver as well. And what's good, if you have a high pick, at the same time, there if you don't want one of these guys because you're really hurting for running back, there's going to be plenty of other positions, like we mentioned, tight end and running back to choose from. There's going to be guys back there. So, But for the most part, pleasantly surprised with the wide receiver class. I thought I was going to hate them uh, and not like any of them. I thought they are going to be completely doo-doo where we – where it turned out where it was the back end, the bottom end of the running back class, we were kind of like, eh, it's deep, but eh, no thanks. Right, and, and yeah, this one's definitely rounding into to better shape than we thought. Yeah, so a nice, nice solid draft we have building here so far, shall yeah, we? Yeah, absolutely, man. It, it's more to be excited about, man. 
So we'll be back next week to finish off these uh, receivers, and we'll have to try and squeeze in a tight end podcast as well. So mm. there might be two podcasts coming out next week. Bonus. we got to figure out how to do it. Bonus but, episode. Um, we'll see. There's a decent amount of tight ends to talk about here as well. I mean, we got four locked in, five. that You know, Ian Thomas, we got to get in there. Right. Uh, Hayden Hurst, Mark Mark Andrews, Mike Kosicki, and my boy Dallas Goddard. Right on. So, I mean, those are five right there. That's 40 minutes of talking right there. There's, there's got to be a couple more. There's definitely a couple more. Yes. So we'll be back next week because next week is the NFL draft. NFL draft. Giggity goo. Yeah. Until then. Wait, Matt, stop the presses. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa. If Wait you're stuck around, you're still around. We're forgetting a, something. Hour 19 minutes. Hope you don't turn off too soon. If in case you forgot, we have two shirts to give away. We sure do. Two fresh, brand new Dynasty Nerds t-shirts, the most comfortable t-shirts in the entire world. Hot off the presses, right? Hot off the presses, new batches in. Just ordered them. Ordered uh, a decent amount of cranberries, too. Ooh. So I'm going to put a couple up for sale on the website. Force you to buy all your Dynasty Nerds swag on DynastyNerds.com. Guaranteed to increase your high-five intake. Guaranteed to make you look better. Guaranteed to increase your sex life. Mm -hmm. That's right, folks. Hurt your hand. Soften up elsewhere. Oh, my. Uh, The Facebook winner and Twitter winner is what we're going to give away. Uh, the Twitter winner, remember you had to use the hashtag NerdHerd, is going to be the random winner was Anthony Tritolo. Nice. At A-T-R-E-T-O-L-O. Anthony Tritolo. Tritolo. Anthony, hit me up on Twitter, and I'm going to send you a brand new Dynasty Nerd shirt. Hashtag NerdHerds. And don't forget, on our Dynasty Nerds Facebook group page, which is absolutely fantastic, we're almost at 1.8 thousand group maker. Uh, 1.8k 1.8k members there are so many polls going on on that page there's so much dynasty conversation on that page i can't even believe it i'm not even a big facebook page fan but you should just sign up for it just to have join this group no but take your typical dynasty forum and kick it up about 10 notches and that's what we have literally it's 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 a way better than any kind of dynasty forum i highly and highly urge you to get on there and once you get on there you're gonna be like Holy shit balls! Those guys were know know what they're talking about. These yeah. dynasty nerds guys are so innovative. Get the pulse of the community. Yes, so you can do it just like Zach Harper did. Uh, he's a nerd herd member on the dynasty nerds group page. Uh, Zach Harper, you're a member of the group page, and you are the random winner of a dynasty nerd shirt. Um, don't if you have Twitter, hit me up on Twitter. It's gonna be hard for me. I guess you know what you could tag me in the group as long as you put tag me in that page. I get notifications on my Facebook saying, "Hey, you were tagged in this post." Um, I can get you up on there, or you get me up on Twitter at Dynasty Rich. Get up Matt at Dynasty Matt. I'm at Dynasty Matt. Um, and you get up at Dynasty Nerds, but it'd be harder for me to see because that damn Twitter page gets so many damn questions. You know, to the point like we used to answer every single question that got asked Dynasty Nerds. Now there's so many questions that come in, it's hard to catch them all. Sorry. Sorry, we do our best. I do my best. Josh yep. is on that Twitter handle. He helps ha- me handle it too, but he doesn't know anything about Dynasty. No. He's just he just filters them to you. Yeah, he's a computer nerd. Yeah. Josh, nerd. Yeah, that's why we're Dynasty nerds. Exactly. So, we all, uh, again, we're all our own kind of nerds. We recommend getting on there. Uh, again, you can win cr- free stuff too. I mean, we didn't order these new bastard shirts for nus- nothing. No, we plan on giving some away. Yeah. Like, hey, remember when we said all the money that comes in the site goes right back out to you guys? Well, that's what we do. We're trying to make your life better. That's how we roll for you so, people. Now we'll be back next week. Yes, we will. Hey, don't forget, give us a rating and review on iTunes. We love this shit. Love it, man. Later, nerds. Ready, set, put up. 
Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Nerds Fantasy Football Podcast. Make sure to check us out at DynastyNerds.com for up-to-date Dynasty insight. And follow us on Twitter at Dynasty Nerds.